Fellow Americans, stop dragging your feet. Wear kitties when you're going to go out on a date. Look great. But do you know your feet need a little love? Kitty knows. What an agonizing, enterprising, hard kind of day you spend working overtime. You. Be a bit small. You. When you shop, you need shoes for it all. I say comfort and style. If you're young at heart or young enough to remember, come to Kitty and explore. So there's an old saying that interestingly gets attributed to everyone from Michelangelo to the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper that basically says, how do you make a sculpture of an elephant? Well, you get a big piece of rock and you chip away everything that doesn't look like an elephant. So there's a wonderful corollary to this in business by Peter Drucker who said, there is no loss to the customer by eliminating activities that do not add value. Said another way by me, I ask, how do we construct a valuable customer strategy? Well, you start with a big block of strategy and chip away all the things that don't add value to the customer. Maybe this is the reason that so much of the research these days points to the extremely early stages of improving customer experience in digital. Forrester Research recently said that the gap is widening, progress is slowing, and only a few companies are really poised to break away to exceptional customer experiences. It's so very important to get this right so why do we so seldom do this in our business, and especially content? We create an amazing thought leadership or emotional experience for customers, and yet we embed it into our corporate website because the company already has a process and a template for that. Or we add sales calls to actions in our content marketing email newsletter because if it's not producing leads, we can't possibly see how it adds any value to the business. Or we institute classic marketing and advertising content, legal, compliance, and or brand approvals because, well, that's the way it's always been done. In other words, instead of starting with a big block of strategy and chipping all the things away that don't look like value to the customer, we start with a big block of customer and chip away all the things that don't look like business strategy. And in the end, that latter one's an ugly piece of art indeed. And this is the theme of our show this week. Where and what are we chipping away at every day? Are we chipping away the ugly from the art hidden inside? Or are we taking a pickaxe to the art and slowly digging our own deeper hole? And now it's time for us to chip away and whittle away the next hour and try and find the art in some lively conversation hidden inside. It's art. We're drawn to it. We do it for the Monet. Okay, we're artists. We know where to draw the line. I think you get the picture. Anyway, let's Van go. You ready to brush up on your content marketing? Then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 161 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, December 12th, 2016. And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the finest of all fine artists of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Actually, I'm not fully fine today, Robert. I'm going to tell you why. 
My legs yeah. are screaming. Uh, you know what I did? I ran a half marathon yesterday, which was was wonderful in um, 28 degrees snowy weather. Wow! In All right, in Sandusky, Ohio. The problem is, is that I haven't been working out. I haven't been running consistently. So yeah. I, I learned that you just don't go out and run a half marathon. It's just, you just don't do it. <laughs> well, and yes. <laughs> it's just, well, I, I ran a half house. I ran a half, what they call a half house, where you run from my office to the kitchen and you get a glass of wine. <laughs> and that's my, that was my workout. Were so, your legs hurting as throbbing yeah, as badly they're, they're, as mine my, my thighs are screaming at me. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It was... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I should I, warn everybody that I'm in a bit of a ranty mood. And so um, this show is going to be filled with uh, with rants. I was in the, I'm in the same mood that you were in when you needed a Tito's and tonic. Do you have a Tito's with you? Maybe we should... I do not. I, I do not. I, I, I probably should, but I, and, and I'm a little over-caffeinated as well. So this, this is... We're, we're running the razor's edge here, and the Cowboys lost. So there's, you know, there's... It, this, anything's possible. There, this is an explosive... What's uh, just waiting to happen. Yeah, you know what? The Browns <laughs> lost, too, but I'm not feeling any different yeah. about that. That's just a regular Monday. That's what that's called. Uh, so you just, you just not, you're just not used to it, my friend. You know what we should do? That's right. We should do uh, – so we've got a couple shows before the new year. Maybe we should just do a Tito show. That would be funny. Maybe where we just both drink Tito's yeah. until we're drunk and do a drunk show. That's something we've never done. That's that's like like a podcast like staple is to do a drunk show. Maybe we should do a drunk show. I don't know. Some of our listeners might not uh, might not like. Yeah, that. maybe not. We we I have a religious audience that we that we're very loyal to. Uh, <laughs> some tweet of, us some up, of our folks, tweet us tweet us up and let us know if we should do a drunk show because that could be it, it could be funny. But then, do I have to produce it afterwards? Because that's going to be tough. No, we'll do it like on a we'll do it on like a Friday also, or like Saturday I, I or can, something. So I can sleep it off. Days to, Got it. Yeah. I can sleep <laughs> it off. <laughs> then produce it later. <laughs> that's right. Hey, uh, that's you wanted right. to announce something. I do want to announce something, and this actually is something really good and fun for us to talk about. We mentioned it on the show last week, of course. Um, you and I are going to write another book together, um, which I'm just can't, can't be tell you how excited I am about that. McGraw Hill has agreed to publish uh, our nonsense, um, and uh, and so bad on them. Good for us, we get to publish this thing. <laughs> And it's going to be a great. I'm really excited about this. Um, we're we're working on a title now, but it's really going to be a broader look at content marketing, media, and how companies are really, really pulling a lot of value out of uh, of content um, and turning marketing into a profit center. So it's uh, yes. it it. I'm excited about it. That's exactly right. I, you know what? When you said that, is it? What's the song? Just you and I. Sharing no. our book together. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's. I think that's a Kenny and Dolly song. Actually. I dipped into the Tito's a little early, my friend. You, okay, that's exactly right, what we're doing. No, I am. I, this is going to be fun. This is our. And a lot of people don't know that this will be our second book. Well, really, yeah. I mean, managing content marketing was really yours. No, and you, you, and you let me put my name on it for some reason. <laughs> This one is going to be more of a joint effort, which means I'll do a little more. It has to be because it's due very soon. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to publish this thing at Content Marketing World, so it's uh, it's already late, right? So we're we're working very it's, hard. Oh on yeah, we got to get speak. we got to get moving. Yes, it will be 
it will be published by Content Marketing World. So it has to be published by September 5th of 2017. So there we go. And it'll be fun. You guys will get talk. We'll be doing podcasts. We'll be writing. Yep. We'll be totally yep. sick of each other by, by March 1st. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have a final manuscript. So it'll we'll be, have a book. We're going to have a baby. That's the good news. So. All right. Shall we get to That's, the news? Yeah, then? sure. Why not? Okay. All right. So our first story, our top of the show story, um, comes from a personal blog. <clears throat> and the headline here is Content Marketing Failing Us in B2B. Um, this from HeidiTaylor.com. And uh, on her blog, she asks that uh, provocative question and opens up by saying, I just read in detail the Content Marketing Institute's 2017 B2B Content Marketing Benchmarking Report for North America, which was published at the end of September. This latest report claims that while last year's content marketing was in a trough of disillusionment, the tide has turned. The headline finding is that 62% of B2B marketers in North America now say that their organization's overall approach to content marketing has been more successful compared to a year ago. She goes on to, well, she goes on to basically uh, really exhibit how troubled she is by the results and, and ask the question, is content marketing actually improving or is it truly failing us in the B2B sense? And I have a take on this that is as I mentioned at the top of the show, a bit of a rant, but but before I do that, I wanted to get your take on this. What did you think of Heidi's blog post here? I, I, I actually, I actually just want to hear your take, but I, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you uh, a take to start with. Uh, the whole first, there's two parts of this blog. The first part, first of all, I actually wanted to reply. There's, there's no, there were no, yeah, there's comments. no way to reply. There's no way yeah. to reply. So we thought that we reply to Heidi through the podcast and then send her the That's link. Right. I'm sure she'll love yeah. that. So hi, yeah. Heidi. Uh, Especially you, after getting so the, my response. So yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know what you're going to say, but I'm sure it's good. Um, <laughs> so the first part was actually, she says she's, is she troubled by content marketing and B2B? And we have always said it's not great. It doesn't look great. There's more than not people aren't uh, documenting their content marketing strategies. They're creating a lot of content and they don't know what the organizational goal is for it. Uh, they're creating more content than ever before and they they don't exactly know why. So these are all things that she brings up that I think are they're fine. They're they're valid. They're I mean they're questions that you and I ask. The challenge that I have that I'm I think that you're going to get to and I'm not going to steal your thunder on this one. But the whole second part. So she goes through the challenge with content marketing, but then she gets to the bottom and say, well, really, content marketing <laughs> doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, right. So this is where I was I was like, hey, I'm with it. I'm like, I'm, I'm reading it. I'm feeling good. I want to respond to her comments about our research report and do that whole thing. And then I get to, but no, it doesn't exist. So where are we going with this one? And basically, Heidi goes on to talk about how uh, all content is you know, marketing is impossible with content. Uh, content marketing is just like everything else. It's and and really forgets about the approach to content marketing as it's different. I'm going to leave it right there because I really want to get your take on this. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I didn't. There was there was very little in this post that I really liked. Um, and and I'm you know and so you know I want to preface all of this by saying I I I'm. Arguing the idea, not the person. Thank you, Heidi, for writing this. I, I appreciate the effort there, and I appreciate the thinking. Um, but it's just there's it's just backwards. 
Um, <clears throat> so I, it, I'll start with the research because she basically starts out by being troubled with the conclusions that we make in the actual research post and, and, and in the research itself. And, and, and basically she says, look, they reworded the questions and we probably shouldn't compare year over year to each other because of the way that the questions were reworded. By the way, we did reword the questions this year because of that very fact. We were trying to get deeper into the real meaning here. And so we changed up the methodology and the research to change the research questions to one, update where we were, but two, really talk through the more meaningful types of questions so that going forward, we would have a better metric of comparison year over year. So this year was a bit different. And she opens up by saying, basically, they reworded the questions, and we probably shouldn't compare year over year. And then com- just basically proceeds to go compare year over year. She even made <laughs> yes. basically charts where she compares year over year with the different questions. And then um, one of them, is, as she says right up front, is how effective is your organization versus this year's? Our question was, how effective is your content marketing strategy? We didn't compare those two things. We didn't look at it. We would have never done that. And of course... There's absolutely nothing wrong with looking at those individual answers in isolation from one another, but together they're not comparable, which is really the whole heart of her front part of the blog post where she says, you know, basically we say that things are going great when the research numbers show that things are actually declining when they're actually not declining because there's other numbers in there that actually show that it's, you know, as to your point, struggling it's in middle gear. There's no commitment. There's all of those things. But people are feeling better about That's it. That's right. They're feeling yeah. better about it. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Middle post, middle part of the post. She says that, we're, that we, CMI, are confusing a tactic for a strategy because our definition of content marketing um, basically looks at it as a strategic approach and, as she says, applies to every part of the marketing mix and is in the research um, she, she basically says uh, creating and distributing, distributing content is not an end of itself. And of course, we agree with that. I don't, I don't know where anywhere she would have gotten that we disagree with that. But the way that she phrases that, it's like somehow we're conflating this idea of content marketing to replace everything. It's like, have you read anything that we've written other than this one research report? Because of course, we would agree with that. Then she goes on to say that we confuse the word strategic with strategy. So she says a strategic marketing approach is not a marketing strategy. And again, right, we agree. This is not an end of it itself. And it's, you know, other than being a tweetable thing, I'm not even sure what strategic marketing approach is not marketing strategy even means other than it. Of course, it's not that she's kind of arguing (laughs) with herself there. as She goes through this. And then then she says the magic words, right? She says, basically, all content is marketing, thus content marketing doesn't exist. And it's like, okay, all right. So basically, she just basically negated the 836 words that previous to that, right? Where she's talking about content marketing and basically how it's separate and, and she's worried about it, but then says it doesn't actually exist. So I'm just supposed to ignore, I guess, the previous 830 words that she says. And the interesting, and this is my favorite part of it, is as we start to get to the end of the article, she starts the whole article. But it, the very beginning of this article basically says, she kind of takes us to task because she says, basically, we're blaming the ineffectiveness on content marketing at the feet of those who execute it, the marketers. And then she takes 1,200 words to do what? Ultimately lay it at the blame for, wait for it, those people who actually execute it, right? She goes on by saying, well, you should not 
create crappy content and content has to be, you know, thought of in more than just a production. We have to think about the customer first and we have to look at engagement and we have to look at all these wonderful things about being an element, you know, as she calls it, content is one element of the whole strategy. And so at the whole end of this, the whole summation of this thing is basically the same sentiment that we've been putting into the introduction of every single book we've written, every single major blog post that we write, every framework we release, basically everything we've ever done, she finishes by saying, yeah, we shouldn't look at content marketing in isolation or content in isolation to the entire marketing strategy. And to that, I would say, we agree. Yep. I would encourage her to read a little further than one research report and not change up the results of those to suit her, the narrative she's trying to create. Is that all you got? That's all I got. I got. It's, Sorry. It's, it, well, it's interesting when, when she got to the point about um, it's content marketing doesn't exist. You, what, which one? You talk about the chocolate cake. There, That's my recipe. Yeah. Th- give recipe, me that. Give me right? that again because I love that part. That's a great <clears> example. The recipe is basically, you know, chocolate cake isn't very good. And when you make it and you use vinegar, baking soda, uh, soap, and some ashtrays, um, it's really not a very tasty meal and isn't terribly nutritious. Now, let me tell you what is a, tr- a terribly nutritious and tasty meal. Basically, you take chocolate and you mix it with flour and you put water in there and then you mix it all together and bake it at 350 degrees and you come up with this thing and it's cake with chocolate. And that's really good. So that's what you need to do. You don't need to do that other thing that they're telling you to do. It's this other thing that you need to do, which is basically complete. And that's recipe, right? Take content marketing, redefine it in a terms that sort of make fit your, the narrative you're trying to create, basically blast that all off and everybody goes, yeah, that's right, it's not good. And then basically recreate it into the thing that it is already and then basically say, this is how I would redefine it and then present that as, as, as you're thinking. It's like, no, you, you, you don't get to do that. <laughs> you don't, it's like, it's, it's, it's the fake news thing. It really is. It's, it's basically redistributing the facts to fit the narrative that you're trying to create. And it's, it's, it, you don't, that's not cool. <laughs> well, it's, it's, and I don't know. And again, I don't know uh, Heidi's background. I, right. I want to make sure that I'm clear here. I thank her for her thing. And I, and if I, I would have written a comment if I could, I didn't want to spam her with an email. And so we're responding here and, and it's a little one-sided, obviously. And if we've mischaracterized anything, blah, 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 and asterisk, 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 you know, all, everything notwithstanding. Thank you. But this was ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it tend, and this is again, not about Heidi, but, but generally when no. we read articles like this, the people that write them come from traditional marketing, traditional advertising or PR backgrounds. Generally, that's what we've found. It doesn't, I'm not saying anything about those professions or those areas, but that's what we find. You never, if somebody coming from like a publishing or media background, you never, you never get that kind of story. You it just, it's just interesting to me that it, the, the publishing and the media, um, experts out there, they see this uh, content marketing is so natural to them. And they would never write an article like this versus a, somebody that's from a more traditional background. I don't know what that's worth, but that's just what my take is. So, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, and, and I would not have, have, have ranted on it so much if it didn't sort of, you know, the, the, the challenge I have with these things is that new people, to the practice, read this and go, yeah. yeah, and they buy into that thinking, and that makes our job harder. And so, 
I don't, I love to have a debate about the efficacy of content marketing, the difficulty of doing it well, the, un, you know, the, the amazing challenges that face us. And I'm first and foremost out there, you and I are both firm, first and foremost out there saying, hey, listen, this isn't for everybody. This is a difficult thing to do. It's an extremely difficult thing to do well. And that's the, you know, but don't mischaracterize it. That's, that's my main challenge. Don't, if you, you know, let's have a debate. I'd love to have a debate. But if you start the debate by mischaracterizing the, my position, then, then I'm going to have a big challenge. No, that's why it was, it was unfortunate that there's no, there's no place to rebut. Right. I mean, we would like on our blog post at Content right. Marketing Or Institute. just reach out, yeah. right? As our research director said so eloquently, hey, if they just reach out and say, is this really what you mean by the question here? Is this really, you know, or just read further and, you know, basically find some more information. Just take that extra step, that extra step. And we'd be happy to not only help contribute to your blog post, but help you understand all of the different challenges there are to make what you're saying to your audience better. But it doesn't matter, Robert. There's no such thing as content marketing. Well, right. That's all. There's, and that's I did, I'm did you, an existential I don't know if you right got now. that news <laughs> report. There's yeah. no such thing. We're out of we're out of business. It's yeah, apparently we're just apparently. we're just the institute now. Yeah, the institute. The institute. We are <laughs> the institute. We. That's like it's like villains in a Bond movie exactly. or something. It's, 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 it's you and you I, and, I and the Joker. I mean, that's pretty much how it is. All right. All right. Next Should one. we move along then? Move along down the road sure. here? Sure. Our next story here comes to us from PR2020, friend and family of the show. And um, good blog post here. Interesting one. The headline here is, Will Artificial Intelligence Replace Writers and Content Marketers? Um, and uh, this article opens up by saying, Gartner predicts that a full 20% of business content is going to be written by machines starting in 2018. This is a startling claim, says the article. The analyst firm says business content, such as shareholder reports, legal documents, market reports, press releases, articles, and white papers are all candidates for automated writing tools. Will artificial intelligence automate content creation? It's a legitimate question. If Gartner is talking about the issue, it's worth considering. Artificial intelligence technologies are advancing rapidly to the point where the Associated Press now has machines writing full earnings reports. Marketers rely on content more than ever as a linchpin of their strategies, assuming you agree that it exists, actually. What if the creation of content was suddenly the responsibility of a machine not a marketer. And then the blog post goes on from there. Um, I thought this was an interesting question. What did, what did you think of this? What, what was your take? You know, it's interesting. I had many conversations with the CMI team about this. I mean, Claire McDermott, editor of Chief Content Officer Magazine. I mean, we, we had a bet. This was an intelligent content conference either last year or the year before where I was saying that, hey, in the, in the near future, the majority of content produced by brands is going, going to be generated by by bots, by by machine learning uh, aspects, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, and she hated that. She's like, "That's terrible. Nobody can replace a writer." Now, I actually think that in the very near future, you're the by the way, great writers and great content creators. I do not believe will be replaced. I believe they will be valued for their for their volume of work. Uh, and they, as Ira Glass talks about, it's all about, I mean, what, what do you stand for? Your tone, some of the things that, that a content creator can bring to the table, it's very hard to replicate. But there is a good chunk of content out there that if it's structured correctly, 
that it can't absolutely be replicated. And there's a lot of mundane activities that humans are involved in that where they probably don't need to be. That's right now. That's not even in 2019, 18, 20. That can happen right now. I don't, what I don't know is, and maybe that's where the conversation is, is what type of content will be automated if it's not all of it? And what should brands be doing right now about it? Do you have a take on that? Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I was as you were talking, I was trying to remember that quote. The it's the you know, and I can't remember it, and I'm I'm completely blanking on it, and my Google is not uh, cooperating with me, which is kind of ironic when you talk about the content and finding. Anyway, it's a the irony is not lost on me, but it's that famous quote: "Those who can't change." Um, you know, the, or the future who belongs to those who can change or, you know, it's, it's, I can't, I can't remember it right now, but anyway, I think that's right. I think, I, I think you will have actually great writers that will be ultimately replaced by a machine, but they're great writers who are currently writing commoditized content. Um, and so I, I think the ones who can adapt to a world where the commoditized part of their job becomes the job of a machine and can then take that time and focus it on creating the human differentiated artistic educational deep thinking content you know the original point of view the humanistic point of view as it were will be you know um will be the winners in that game um because if you look at it the content we're talking about certainly in the short term future the you know immediate decade are going to be sports, you know, everything that's basically based... You know who has a great quote on this? Um, it's uh, uh, Chris Penn, who who basically said, if you use a template, you're, a machine is going to do it for you. Oh, that's right. He just, I just saw him say that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's it's so true. It's a, great, it's a great quote, and it's basically the idea, right? So the ones that they list here in this in this, uh, in, in this press release, in, in this article is a really good one. It's press releases, legal documents, you know, uh, shareholder reports you know, um, basically short-form articles that relay facts, those kinds of things. Yes, those are all going to be very easily replaced with algorithmic thinking. Um, and what's not going to be replaced as easily with algorithmic thinking is going to be things like really strong point of view, deep white papers and deep position papers, deep books, novels, movies, scripts, you know, things that require a, a lot of human interaction and that will be the purview of really great writers, I think, will be to really get deep about what they're doing and differentiate against that sort of surface level machine created content in much the same way that, quite frankly, everything else has. Right. In terms of what we do that, you know, in terms of layout. Right. You know, it, you can have algorithms create layouts now. And quite frankly, the layouts that really stand out are those that are architected by humans. They're artistic in nature. Well, the this was a. I remember because I, I was talking about the book Automate This, and you didn't like it, right? Correct? I the, didn't. I didn't yeah. love it. Yeah, I didn't so, love that book. So Stein, uh, uh, I forgot Steiner. Steiner's the last name of the author, but yeah. uh, Paul Reitzer, who is the CEO of PR2020, from what we're talking about this uh, this post from, he recommended that I read Automate This, and I did. And the one part of that book that I thought was really amazing was the part about the orchestra. And the gentleman that created uh, basically a whole um, a concert of orchestra music and did it through algorithm, and the computer created this, and they uh, created this and played it in front of an audience, and the audience and a real live orchestra 
played the piece that was created by a computer and the audience absolutely loved it but when they found out afterwards that it was created by a computer they actually booed and hated it when they found that out but uh, but uh, when it was about when it was playing it was beautiful so the point is is that uh, we have we have no idea where we're headed yet with the amount of content that's going to be created by computer. Well, it's so, there's so much possible right now that we aren't set up to create this way as organizations. As soon as we can do that, as soon as the organizations that are ready to scale, like we're seeing Yahoo do a lot of this with their fantasy sports. You said you mentioned about um, shareholder statements and those types of things where you have columns and rows that are in spreadsheets that are set up in a certain way in structured format. These things can absolutely tell a story a certain way. And then once you get that story told, you can have the computer adjust based on the uh, uh, how you program it. Right. Uh, I believe that you'll be to a point where you can say, look, I like this story, but tell it more from this perspective or tell it more from this perspective or or tell it like Stephen King would tell it. Yeah, uh, That's right around the corner, folks. Yeah, so, no, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely. In fact, they're already doing that in many yeah. cases. There, there, you can write. You know, there are there are algorithms now that will write in. I think Google did an experiment where they uploaded. I think it was twenty thousand or you know tens of thousands of romance novels or something, and they basically had the Google algorithm write a romance novel based on that. Um, and you know, and it, it whatever it turned out to be. Um, the, I, I think that the, the point to the music that you're making, which is, which is a good one, which is yes, the first of all, the untrained ear may not be able to to, to understand and, and hear, and and it quite frankly may be an enjoyable thing. This, it, you know, it's not. This has been around for a long time in music. I can tell you, as a musician, I can tell you that we've been having this debate for 20 years since synthesizers and and computer music and and you know drum machines and those things have come in and invaded sort of the production and creation of music it's like listen all you got to be is a kid with a computer and you know a, a good software system and you can create an entire digital album or can you right and the question is can you create something that lasts can you create you know it's very hard to duplicate the energy the feel the art um, of great music that is created by humans. You can absolutely create... Now, played by an orchestra, it's going to be harder to hear than something that is, you know, that is, that is computer-generated. But even there, you're talking at this point of the algorithm's existence, you're talking about an average, right? So what that algorithm is doing is taking the average of all of the classical pieces that were put into the, you know, sort of uh, corpus of content that it could draw from to create something averaged it all out and created something that was quote unquote new. And that newness is going to feel familiar because it contains all of the patterns and recognitions of the things that went into it. Yeah. And so it's, but it's not great art and it, and I will counter that it, it that I don't think, and you know, I could be wrong here for sure, but I don't think that those things will be lasting pieces of art, at least in the short term. Now, as intelligence grows and we start, you know, becoming slaves to the machine and we all get plugs in the back of our head and go into the matrix, that may change. <laughs> but until that happens, I'm I'm going to bet on the artists not and the humans, not the algorithms to create great art. I would agree with you. I would bet on the artists. I'm not uh, I mean I want to. I want that to stay. I think it's important. It's part of our culture, it's part of being human, right? It's so important. But what I would say is there's in most organizations that you and I deal with, they're not creating art. 
they're creating things no, that, fair, probably, that's a fair point. that probably that yeah, probably can fair point. can be uh, automated. Uh, yeah, now that that's that a may point. be now that may be wrong. Maybe they're doing it wrong. in a lot of cases they are. But I think that you could you could probably go into a large organization right now and say. 80% of the content that you're creating right now could probably be automated. Well, that, and that's my properly. point, right? That's my point is, is that I'm hope what I'm hopeful for is that the business will actually do that yeah. and, and take the 80% that is now really taking over the time of our lives and, and automate that leaving us that 80% of our time to actually focus on creating something really interesting. That's where I think the opportunity is, is, is can we, can we automate? Yes. The press release and the earnings report and the general things that we need to create, but can that, will that leave us the time to actually create great things, educational, artistic, whatever, or are we just going to fill that vacuum with, monitoring the machines and uh, i won't go off on a rant on that because i it was actually my subject of my keynote let last year's intelligent content but that's the opportunity we we will either use that time and that and that bandwidth that we gain for something really interesting or and this is candidly what we've done over the last 15 years as technology has quote unquote made our jobs easier we've simply filled it with more commoditized activity And so that's the risk, right, is that we'll just fill that time with more commoditized activity and we will risk actually being replaced by the algorithm. Well, and then just, you know, I know we want to get to the other news story, but that's like we start every masterclass with that mentality, right? It's like everybody, every company can create more stuff, no matter if a computer's creating it or you're creating it. Are you doing something that's really making a difference in your customers and your right. audience? Are you creating a better customer and making, as you say, you're, you're, you're developing these wonderful experiences that make a difference in their lives and your life? That's where I think we want that time to go. So all this other stuff can either be killed or be automated. So. Yeah. That's a fascinating. We could do a whole show. We could do a whole show. That, it's, a, it's like a whole yeah, event. Fact, we're going. Yeah. We should do a whole like an event. Call it maybe intelligent, intelligent content, content or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Moving on to our last story really quickly here. Um, this one is celebrating kind of uh, a new launch in content marketing. Uh, Enterprise Rental Cars uh, embraces content marketing with a new digital magazine. This story comes to us courtesy of Media Post, um, although a few folks sent it over um, with their press release, basically, that they were actually launching it. The article in Media Post opens up by saying, Enterprise Rent-A-Car is launching a digital travel magazine, which is the brand's, quote-unquote, largest content marketing to date, according to Lee Broughton, Vice President, Enterprise North American Brand Marketing. The launch comes on the heels of the brand's recent new digital strategy, summed up with the phrase, Moving You. In addition to emphasizing its comprehensive transportation offerings beyond car rental, Moving You works to extend the branch experience experience online and connect with customers on a more emotional level. Story goes on to discuss the new magazine and how it's going to work and that it was created by an agency 360i and and all of that and what say you Joe what did what did you think of the new magazine from Enterprise? Well not to not to take any of your your thunder here but uh pursuits oh, no, you can take it. Oh, okay. You can take I'll it. Take I've been it. ranty uh, enough. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, yeah. first of all, I like the idea I like the uh, the the thinking and the the idea that you're trying to create a particular experience with their current customers, and it really does look like a customer experience, a loyalty retention driven experience, because they're focusing on connections with current customers, which is is fine. It's all good. 
the the issue I have is, is twofold. One is the name of the magazine is Pursuits with Enterprise. Immediately, I'm thinking sales collateral. I'm not. Right. I haven't even been to the site yet. I haven't even looked at a piece of content yet. I'm just reading the release as it is in front of me on Media Post. Pursuits. Why with, not just pursuits? That's all I'm saying. Why not just why pursuits why just with enterprise? Pursuits. Somebody right. somebody had a battle, and those people listening yeah, know exactly lost. how this works. Says let's just call it pursuits. No, we got to get the name of the company in there. It's got to be pursuits with enterprise. I guarantee you that's the way it went. Right? Okay. Uh, yep. Great. Pursuits with Enterprise. Then they go and say, okay, we've got this great content. Here's how it's going to be. It's going to be about these experiences and <laughs> emotional experiences and whatever. It says, it says, let's create a content brand out of it. Let's create a yeah. separate domain. Let's, let's build it like a media company. And somebody said, no, no, let's not do that. Let's, we already have a CMS. We have a website. Let, let's, put it, let's put it right on our website, enterprise.com. <laughs> we'll backslash it with inspiration.html, and it'll be beautiful green enterprise. It'll go all the way down to being our temperate. It has all of our homepage links there, and they get all we of our products. We can use our existing CMS to manage yeah. it and publish it. Our, our measurement platform is already there. And that's exactly what it looks like, and it's almost a duplication of what we saw enterprise.nxt uh, was the publication from Hewlett Packard Enterprise. They did the same exact thing. They used their current CMS system. They do the current fee- look and feel of the site. And I, you know what? If we were betting, first of all, I have nothing against the enterprise folks, nothing against the HPE folks. Love, I have no people within those organizations. They're great. Every enterprise I've always been in has been a very clean car. Okay, I'll just put that out there right now. But this is not, I'll put money that this is not going to work. Because nobody's going to go to this. They're going to look at it and they're going to say, oh, that's sales collateral. This is not helpful. This is not anything for me. This is about enterprise looking out to the audience instead of having the audience as central to this conversation. That's my take on it. Unfortunately, I feel bad about saying it, but I don't think it's going to work. You know, and here's the thing. I went through some of the content. The content's good. The, the, The content is good. Um, and and because it's wrapped in this this corporate package, I, I I think I have to agree with you because it's 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 just so clearly been forced into this package, this corporate sort of website package that it even looks slightly odd in the in it the does. thing. You it does. It looks tell, strange. You know, it just looks. You know, there's too much white space, and there's you know, and I don't want to get into a sort of pulling apart the design and all that kind of stuff, but it's just. It, it the the opportunity there to create something really interesting was there, and you can just you can almost see the arguments within the teams just sort of played out there in terms of the compromises that were made and what was made from a thing. And and to me, it's a classic example of there's a really great idea there. I mean, and this is everything we just were talking about, right? We've just been talking about on this show. It's like there's a great idea there that goes unexpressed because we're thinking about it from the inside looking out and making decisions about the business rather than the decision from the customer's perspective, the audience perspective, and what they find this out. This is, you know what, this is just, you brought up the matrix before. This is like the second matrix where there's a virus. And that virus is going out throughout all these big brands. And they feel they have to use their branding and CMS systems with any content marketing, right. sort of content marketing or branded marketing initiative. It is a problem. We are infected I, f- I have to go wash my hands. And here's the thing. This is it's terrible. It's more expensive. It's more expensive usually because these big, you know, and this comes from experience. I've, I've lived this story, which is 
those big enterprise-wide sites, I don't mean enterprise the car, I mean enterprise like the business enterprise, you know, those, those CMS systems are huge. They're governed well. They're, you know, they're sort of, you can't knock them down. They're, they're unwieldy. Sort of strong, unwe- but, they're, but it makes them unwieldy and hard to do. So doing something like this kind of experience, this kind of blog magazine-like experience is really difficult. And so those template modifications, the workflow modifications, I guarantee you there's somebody who has to manage the content on this section of the site who's hating life right now the way that they have to update this thing because it's hard and it's unwieldy and it's difficult. And instead of just saying, listen, yeah, deal with it. We're going to use WordPress. We're going to use some light CMS system to be able to do this. It's just they've made that decision because... There's already a supporting infrastructure, and we don't want to go out on a ledge and support anything different. And, th- and it was probably more expensive to launch this because of that. I think that everyone listening to this, we have to, to deep in our thoughts, hold the person up that has to manage this site. And we have to, we have to send <laughs> good vibes to that person. Well, they're all, they're all going, yeah, you too. You know, they're all going, they're smoking their cigarettes going, yeah, good luck, kid. I got a deal with too. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. I was there last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. You're going to have to live through it, man. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, hey, let's, let's talk about something really wonderful here, which is our sponsor for this show. We have to talk about something wonderful because we've been ranting the entire I know. Episode. I'm sorry, folks. I told you it was going to be a Tito's and Tonic I thing. I think that people enjoy our rants. I think when well, we're all nice so. I hope Nobody so. Nobody wants to I hope so. to that stuff. We mean them with love. We really do. Yeah, I thought that this week, Robert, that, uh, you know, I got the question the other day that we don't talk enough about all of our events. I'm sure everybody wants to listen to that. But we have four really amazing things coming up that I just want to make sure people are aware of. First of all, we, we actually already mentioned Intelligent Content Conference. Uh, IntelligentContentConference.com, March 28th to 30th, 2017, in Las Vegas. If you care at all about the future of your content strategy, you would like to be at this event. You, you should definitely be there. That's where we're talking about things like AI and marketing, like machine learning, like how you can be scalable, how you need to set your organization up and your content around the different technologies that are available out there. So that's Intelligent Content Conference. You definitely need to be there. If you already have a content marketing strategy or content strategy in your organization that you're trying to govern, you definitely want to be at ICC. Uh, bring If you're a marketer, bring your IT person with you. God love you. That would be fantastic if you did that. I'll be on the same pl- same page. Uh, content marketing world, I have to mention that because we're, believe it or not, Robert, we're already open for registration. Amazing. We already have people registered for content marketing world, September 5th through 8th, 2017, bigger and better than ever in Cleveland, Ohio. So make sure that you check that out. We have December. We are open winter enrollment for CMI University training, online our online training program, where Robert Rose is the star of that, by the way. <laughs> You are. You are the shining star on the hill for CMI University training. Uh, And the reason why I'm mentioning it is because it is only open until the end of December 2016. Then we close it down for two months. We're going to redo the whole thing. We do it every year. So we'll have a new program coming out in March. So you want to make sure that you sign up uh, for this one. It's the last chance you're going to get it. A lot of amazing things as well as what Robert's trained. A lot of uh, other speakers and teachers uh, along with that. So make sure you check that out. And then we have our virtual... Virtual event, Content Tech, 
virtual event, February 22nd. Oh, right. I forgot about that's right. Yeah, I even forgot about that. I know. I'm telling you. That's why I'm here. Mm. Content Tech virtual event, February 22nd, 2017, where we talk about content marketing and technology in every one of our amazing sessions. You do not want to miss it. Bigger than better never. I think last year, Robert, we had like 4,000 people registered for it, and it was, it was wonderful, and we want to see even more this year. You can go to contentmarketinginstitute.com slash events. ContentMarketingInstitute.com slash events for every one of these events. Uh, we'd like to see you at all four, uh, but at least do one. At least do one. At least do one thing. There you go. If you do one, I'll be happy. If you do four, I'll love you forever. So one of, one of those is. two things would be great. There you go. Buy Joe's love, basically. <laughs> yes, you can. Joe's love can be had. That's not a secret. For a price. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. Okay, so it is now time for your favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over, oh, you know, something that makes us feel like we're looking at fine art or something that maybe has us feeling like we looked at what we've been looking at for the last, oh, 40 minutes and 50 seconds and uh, really feeling quite disappointed about the whole thing. So um, I have this old marketing, uh, and so I'm going first. Okay. So I have two quick commentaries here. Um, and the first one, uh, first of all, a huge hat tip uh, to Dr. Tim Walters, who is uh, a friend of mine, um, wonderful, just a, a, a really great thinker. And he sent me this. He's also a listener of the podcast. So hi, Tim. Um, and he sent me this link, and the, what we'll link to in the show notes is to L2 uh, Inc. And you know L2, right, with Scott Galloway sure. and, and that whole thing, yeah, don't you, Joe? Absolutely. And so if you haven't listened to that, he's, they've got a, their blog is great. Their information is wonderful. If you're into sort of broader looks at companies and technology and the trends and sort of especially from a stock standpoint, it's just a wonderful resource here. He actually on this week's sort of winners and losers, um, which they have um, every, I think it's every week, um, the video, they talked about a lot of things. But one of the, talk, the things that they talked about was Estee Lauder. Um, and uh, Instagram and content that was being shared. And one of the things that Scott talked about was this idea of how Kendall Jenner, so you know Kendall Jenner, of course, uh, my neighbor, (laughs) and uh, and, uh, part of the uh, Kardashian-Jenner clan, took a break from Instagram. Um, And Estee Lauder, and this is fascinating, Joe, Estee Lauder had a 69% decrease in engagement on their Instagram. See, so basically, 7% of all of Estee Lauder's posts on Instagram are about Kendall Jenner. And about 3% of all Kendall Jenner's posts feature Estee Lauder. Wow. Now, those posts basically, those, those combined, those posts basically account for 63% of all of the engagement on Estee Lauder's Instagram. So in other words, two-thirds of the engagement on Estee Lauder's Instagram are basically them either talking about Kendall Jenner or Kendall Jenner talking about them. Wow. And so basically when Kendall Jenner decides to take a break from Instagram, it results in Estee Lauder dropping engagement rates by two thirds. And I absolutely love. So this is just a helpful safety tip. And sort of as we start getting into influencer marketing, just a wonderful sort of safety tip. I, what Tim sent me when he sent me this post, I absolutely love. So I'm totally quoting him here, but I just I'm glove it. I'm probably going to steal it. He said, this, you know, he said, you know, this is when you and Joe talk about warning about people about building their house on rented land. He said, well, this is like building your marketing strategy on a horse you can't control. And it's just a wow. great, it's just a great example because, you know, as we start getting into influencer marketing, there is the risk, of course, of them doing really 
you know, stupid things online and in their social feed, but there's also the risk of them stopping, right? Just full stop one day and having that affect your marketing strategy as well. So anyway, I think the funny part of this, here's the punchline for me, is if you can imagine you're Kendall Jenner, right? And you see this article appear and you hear about this and you watch the statistics and you go, huh. And what I bet is that there's an email waiting for the head of social at Estee Lauder from Kendall Jenner right now. And the subject line is raise. That's exactly (laughs) right. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So uh, number two, really quickly here, comes from businessinsider.com. This is a fascinating story. I almost included this as one of the stories that we could talk about here, but um, I'll just quickly go through it. It's, It's basically Group M, which is the media investment group that sits within WPP, which of course WPP is the huge advertising conglomerate. They're forming a new data and technology unit called M Platform. And M Platform is basically this thing that they're going to create. They're calling it a MID or a mobile ID or basically a piece of code that's going to act as your ID as you switch across all these different platforms like mobile and video and apps. And why are they doing that? Well, they're creating this ID system so that they can try and follow you around um, the internet to be able to serve programmatic advertising to you. This is WPP trying to do this, of course, for their clients who are all trying desperately to make advertising work across all these different platforms and follow you around. And interesting, if you look at it, this MID, it basically bears a very close resemblance to an Apple ID or Google ID or your Facebook ID, where because it's so prevalent and the data is so associated with your email address or identity, It's the kind of thing that you can follow somebody around across different devices because, of course, you sign in using the same credentials across all those different devices to the different platforms. So with that backdrop, I sort of offer two points of consideration. So if you're trying to think of a business case for content marketing, if you're an agency or if you're advertising or stuff like this, and it's fascinating to me that none of this is brought up. So consider this for just a second. One of the things they lament in this article is that only 10% of our customers, this is WPP talking, by the way, only 10% of our customers really have a single view of rich data for their customers, right? So our clients really can't get that single view of their customers. We have a real inability to connect across all these platforms because we don't have anything worth signing up for. In other words, we're we're selling advertising, so there's nothing really worth signing up for. I wonder... Joe, I wonder if there was something magical, some wonderful thing that we could create that might create enough value for customers to want to give these brand marketers some data that could be used to understand how to advertise to them more effectively, you know, across platforms. What kind of a approach would you need to have people want to sign up and subscribe to something to give data that would allow me to target them across all these different platforms? Hmm, I wonder what that might be. If it only that. existed... Mm-hmm. If, if it, it only, only existed, existed. It, it just doesn't even exist. It just doesn't exist. So anyway, so that's <laughs> one point. The second, and I'll just very be, be very brief here, which is one of my predictions, and there are predictions post just came out on Content Marketing Institute, and, and, and I've made it in a couple of other places as well, is this idea of media companies making an acquisition. Boy, if this doesn't spell the sort of need for a big media agency, basically a WPP, to make some sort of acquisition in this space as part of this kind of initiative, I don't know what the heck is. Um, and if, you, you know, if you're a publishing company, I'd be making a pitch right now to some of those big agencies to say, hey, man, listen, we got something you might want. So there you go. Have that and 
call me with your stock when you're ready to do that. 2017, <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to yeah. see it. It's going to be rampant. Yeah, rampant, there you I go. tell you. No, that's a thing. How about you, my those. friend? What do you got? Good, good takes. I love both of them. So two, two quick uh, takes here. Uh, one is um, the Microsoft LinkedIn acquisition deal actually oh, I love went you're through. Talk about this. Yeah, it yeah. actually went through, and uh, the Satya Nadella, who's the CEO at, at Microsoft, he posted uh, Microsoft plus LinkedIn beginning our journey together. Uh, he posted, of course, a LinkedIn post. Good move, Satya. Um, and and he basically spells out about uh, nine bullet points of, of things that you're going to see, a bunch of integration scenarios between Outlook and Windows and all this kind of other stuff. So, uh, by the way, uh, hat tip to Pat Paraline for sending this to me. I forgot to to shout out to him. But there, So in these bullet points, there's a couple that I wanted to bring out specific to uh, this show. One is they say they're going to extend the reach of sponsored content across Microsoft properties. I'll be interested to see how that works. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. But I think we should all be anticipating the extending the reach of sponsored content across Microsoft properties. So as you know, a good portion of LinkedIn revenue comes from sponsored content native advertising programs. They now have the breadth of all the different Microsoft properties to sell this into, I'm assuming, because I don't think that Microsoft currently has a um, sponsored content sales team. So LinkedIn does. Right. That would probably make sense. And the second one here, let me bring the second one up, was developing a business news desk across our content ecosystem and msn.com dun 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 this was one of my predictions too by the way what, really yep you said that microsoft and linkedin were going to start a business news desk and, de- and what i said was across I, one of my no one of my predictions was and i can't remember which side i think it might have been in the cmi one but i need to go check but it was one of my other definitely one of my predictions was i think it was for social media uh, somebody asked me to make a social media prediction, and I said that LinkedIn would get back to its original agenda of oh, becoming yeah. a major business publisher. I think that's – there you go. Well, this is, I think, a pretty solid step. So developing yeah. a business news desk, that, that definitely uh, – you know, I'm reading into that, that there's going to be content created, probably original content, probably reported on content. So it should be interesting. So I just thought that those two things out of that report, and now that this marriage has been consummated, that there's uh, – there's going to be those two things to look at, sponsored content That's and awesome. then news desk. So the second thing is that I just need to comment on because we commented on it last week. If you remember, um, we had our rave out. I think it was uh, I think it was last week regarding PewDiePie. Our friend yeah. Felix, a.k.a. PewDiePie, yeah. he, he discussed last week that he was going to close his YouTube account when he reached 50 million subscribers. And I think last week is about 48 million. So he got there. Uh, and he was so disappointed with YouTube's algorithm changes, and he said, "I'm I'm sick of YouTube, and I'm and I don't like the the new reach of my, my videos aren't reaching as many people. This is a problem." And he was going to shut down his account. Well, of course, PewDiePie trolled everyone and didn't exactly. didn't delete his account. Well, he did delete his account. Uh, he deleted one of the but other he deleted ones, his other no account. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting if you watch the video, we'll put it in the uh, in the show. PewDiePie received millions, multiple millions of dollars in PR because every major media channel covered this. That he was, it's it's pretty brilliant. It's pretty when you brilliant think about because it. nobody's going to get mad at PewDiePie because he does this. He's a prankster, and right. everybody took him at face value that he was going to do this. I'm so uh, you know a couple points about this, Robert. First of all, I am amazed today at what traditional media is covering. 
I am amazed. I mean, this whole fake news thing that's come up. I mean, this whole thing is a real epidemic. And we've got we got a problem here. Uh, second, he's probably done more to show business owners the challenges behind what, like, sort of building on rented land that we've talked about, probably more than anybody. Um, I don't know if he's done it on purpose or if he cares that he's created a little bit of movement, but we've been talking about it for years. And so I just like the fact that I'm going to throw out a little rave to him that he keeps talking about this and his frustrations, even though he made $13 million off of YouTube last year, which is fine. He's doing, he's, <laughs> he, but he's, he's seeing the, the changes are happening to him. And if they're happening to him, the person that has the most subscribers, they're really happening to people who are just getting started or have small followings on YouTube. And it's probably going to cripple your accounts. And it's, we're seeing it in Facebook. We're going to see it across the board and all the platforms. So I, I'd like the fact that, we can PewDiePie draws attention to this because we get to talk about it and just show that warning flag in, in front of our audience. So I'm there. You I'm go. working on a PewDiePie impression, by the way. Oh God, help us! Yeah, it it could be pretty funny. Let's we'll save that for the down, let's save that for the Tito's show. Yeah, <laughs> how about that? What happened? It could definitely happen. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that's. I mean, it, it was pretty brilliant. How because I, I watched it. I went and watched it, and it was yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, you trolled. Well, he ended yeah, it. Well, it's cool because he ended it with screenshots of all the press that he received. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, thank you. We made 50 million subscribers and showed it right. up there. I'm like, brilliant. 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 Yeah. yeah. Really good move. Okay. We have a wonderful This Old Marketing example uh, this week. And it's not that old. Um, but I just think it's just too good to, to not talk about. So as you know, um, in this year's masterclass... Um, I have sort of introduced a new idea around, not a new idea, but certainly an, an idea, uh, around doing audience personas, right? Which I, you know, we maintain are a little different than buyer personas. And when you're developing a content marketing strategy, you want to think about audience and the personas around the audience rather than the personas necessarily around buyers. And because, you know, buyers necessarily will force you into thinking about our product and service rather than sort of what value we can Correct. deliver. And that value we sort of wrap into this uh, a very popular framework called the jobs to be done framework. And um, we talk about the jobs to be done framework, which of course is a framework. I won't go into vast detail on it. Now you can look it up. It's uh, Clayton Christensen um, is most famous for forwarding this idea, but there are plenty of people out there that are talking about the jobs to be done framework. And I'm a big fan um, of the framework and how it works and think it's a really good way to get to value with an audience. And so I talk about this and we went on our six city tour and all of this. And so uh, Dave Cherist, um, who is with Constant Contact, um, let us know. And I asked his permission. And I said, I, when he told me this story, I was like, I, this story is too good not to, not to talk about on, on, on this old marketing because what they're doing is just wonderful. Um, and so here's the idea. So the program is a little more than a year old. And so what they did was, instead of going out and doing, because one of the big challenges we often hear is, oh, we got to go out and actually do personas and interview customers and blah, blah, blah. So they actually did a really cool and innovative thing. Rather than just interviewing customers for their internal use or persona development, they decided that they'd basically create content out of it. And so they went out and created their small, what they called their Small Biz Stories podcast. And it was a way for them to not only create 
content that could be engaging about how their customers could get started with email marketing and all that kind of stuff and understand their biggest challenge. But it was also because of the very nature of getting guests for the show, they had to go learn about them. They had to ask them questions and figure out their stories and really dig out their sort of challenges and biggest things that they had in their in their life to being successful with marketing. And basically, during that whole thing, they started to do persona development by creating a content program, which, first of all, I just absolutely love. The fact that they incorporated those two things together is just great. So during that process, they came with across with all of these different um, ideas because they've got uh, all these interviews that they were doing. And so they, they met this guy, and he tells the story, and I won't belabor it here, but he basically tells the story of this one baker that they met um, in Concord, Massachusetts, and they had this wonderful success story with him. They sort of went in and did the persona research and did uh, sort of a deep dive with him into his challenges and what his jobs were and what he needed to get done. And after they came out of it, they had all these different ideas. And so... Now they created some posts based on those deep dive interviews. And so they started creating blog posts around the more deeper dive interviews, as well as doing the persona research, as well as using the guests for the guests on the, on the small business podcast series that they created. And so we'll link to one of the posts, which the, the post was how to speak to one, excuse me, how to speak to one to reach many people. And so now, and here's the sort of punchline of the whole thing is they've got this whole program running and they created a system for how they actually go out, look at guests, look at the ability to pull them into the podcast series, look at a way to develop personas as a, as a function of that, look at that as a way to repurpose content for their blog and how they're doing blog posts. And now it's also being used for training because this is how they teach all their new hires so that they understand their customers, their needs, and all their approaches to email marketing. So they promote the series within the actual product to the customers and the sales and support teams and train all their new hires to really promote this content as they're starting the onboarding process and the sales process and all of that. So now they're on season two of the small business stories with the podcast. They're creating a virtual workshop. They're creating a training program. And it all started with this idea of really understanding the customers and combining the idea of creating content and persona research all done as one thing. And I just absolutely love that. It's not a very old program, but it's an amazing example of this old marketing. That is, that is fantastic. Thank you. I just I heard this story and I was like, this is so great. And, um, and so hats off to those guys, to Dave and his team for what they're doing over constant contact because it's just a great story excellent that's that's wonderful um so what do you got going on this week i got nothing going on other than hard work sitting in front of a computer and just heads down i'm doing writing which is fun 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 for me as my favorite thing and so i'm just yeah i'm writing and getting ready for the holidays and you know um i might have a cocktail or two i don't know but um yeah all all fantastic you i've got a busy week this week and then i'm pretty much uh gonna try to take the last two weeks off i mean outside of of course recording pnr of course. Uh, but other than that yeah we're gonna we're gonna take let some... us know if you want a drunk show folks because yeah let uh, us know uh, what do they need to hashtag for that uh, just yeah this old this marketing, old marketing. let yeah. us know yeah. we'll, we'll count yeah. we'll count the votes for and against yeah we'll exactly we got nothing better exactly. to do Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. All right. That is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We are signing off. And if you like this episode, number 161, 
won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? Give us some stars. Give us a nice review. And if you haven't yet, do consider subscribing on that same old iTunes or Stitcher.com or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. And when you leave us a review or subscribe, if you leave us a review or subscribe, let us know, won't you? Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing. Let us know if you want a drunk show or not. We'd love to thank you personally for each and all of that. That's how much we appreciate you as a subscriber to our little hour of nonsense. And of course, story ideas, story ideas, story ideas, and also uh, This Old Marketing examples. You can also tweet us up at hashtag This Old Marketing, or you can send us an email at this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes, which are available on the show as we publish on Monday night, and of course in the show posts at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, everybody, and the, uh, everybody, you just remember it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.